0: Welcome to Bio, a podcast produced by the Biographers International Organization. Bio is devoted to promoting the work of biographers and advocating for biography as a genre with the support of biographers and biography lovers worldwide. I'm Bio member Sonia Williams in Washington, D.C. On each episode, we'll talk with a biographer about his or her work. This time, Catherine Reif, the prolific author of about 40 young adult books. Reif's latest, The Strange True Tale of Frankenstein's Creator, Mary Shelley, was published by Clarion Books in 2018. I asked Catherine Reif why an 18 year old English teenager decided to write what has become a classic story about a young scientist who creates a
1: male creature from parts of dead bodies. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Uh, there was a lot of talk at that time about the idea of regenerating life. If, if science, scientists were experimenting with, you know, frogs' legs, and and or could they spontaneously grow life in a jar? That kind of thing. So this was on the minds of a lot of people, especially uh, Mary Shelley and her friends. Her lover at the time, uh, Percy Bysshe Shelley, um, Lord Byron, people they were on vacation with in Geneva. And uh, it was the summer of 1816. And 1816 is known as the year without a summer because a very large volcanic eruption in Indonesia sent so much debris into the atmosphere that the temperature was lowered over the northern hemisphere by a couple of degrees, which made it very wet and cold. So, Mary and her friends spent a good deal of time indoors, and one way they amused themselves was reading ghost stories aloud. You know, they talked about these other subjects I was mentioning, but they read ghost stories, and Lord Byron one evening issued a challenge. Why don't we all write ghost stories of our own? So the friends all got to work, and Mary was having a great deal of trouble coming up with an idea for her story, until one night when she was in that state between sleep and, and wakefulness, this vision just came to her of this scientist putting together this creature from parts of dead bodies and bringing it to life. And she just, you know, felt that what frightens and terrorizes me will, will have the same effect on everyone. And, and there she had her story.
0: Wow. Back it up a little bit, and then I'll go back to Frankenstein. Um, who was Mary Shelley? And where was she from? So okay. how did she come into writing?
1: She was the daughter of two writers. Her father was William Godwin, uh, who had written uh, mostly on political subjects. He was uh, kind of known as someone who was an anarchist against religion, against marriage, although he married twice himself. And her mother was his first wife, Mary Wollstonecraft, who was a writer and an early feminist who died 11 days, I think, after young Mary was born, so she really had no knowledge of her mother. But she grew up in a home, a very literary home. Her father had uh, friends such as Charles Lamb and, and Coleridge and, and people like that who would come to the house and, for conversation and readings and so on. Uh, one person who came across her father's writings and was inspired by them was a young poet named Percy Bysshe Shelley who was married, uh, and began corresponding with William Godwin, came to the home to visit, and there he met and fell in love with Godwin's 16-year-old daughter, Mary, and she fell in love with him, and off they eloped to France, and so she was then in the company of Shelley and, and Byron and other writer friends. You said he was married. Yes, he was married. He had well, he was he was a very impulsive person. He had eloped with the friend of his sisters. These were girls in school, and he took her out of school and eloped with her. Her name was Harriet, and uh, so he was married with her. And in fact, he had two children with her. And but then, you know, he met Mary. He was bored with his wife, and he Did didn't have it? a problem, you know, taking off with someone else. Did they get a divorce? No, it was, it was almost impossible to get a divorce in those days uh, because the way the the legislation was. No, uh, he just they he was living with Mary. Kind of, uh, they felt they were following the example of Mary Wollstonecraft with the you know, being free, uh, traveling for education and enlightenment. But what happened was uh, Harriet. She became pregnant uh they the story was that she had become involved with a a soldier and was living near where he was stationed in england uh and became pregnant and drowned herself mm, that's so <laughs> pretty tragic yes yes oh there's the story is full of tragedy, it is yeah it
0: really is it's like. The good and then the bad is immediately following. It. It's just amazing in her yeah, story. Yeah. Um so let me get back to then uh, Mary
1: as she's um, becoming a teenager. How did she get into writing? So many people who write start when they're young, and she was that way too. She went to Scotland for a while as a young teenager. I guess she was unwell and she was having a problem with eczema and there was a belief, you know, if you went to the seashore you might improve your health, things like that. And they sent her to Scotland and, you know, kind of a rugged outdoor climate to stay with some people her father knew. And while she was there, she would like to sit outside and and work at her writing. She really was a good writer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, She she
0: developed uh, her writing skills uh, immensely. So from your research, what was the philosophy behind uh, Frankenstein?
1: Do you mean like an underlying theme? Yeah, or? an underlying yeah.
0: theme, um, you know, any point she was trying to make with the story.
1: You know, you you read the novel, and you really do feel a lot of sympathy for the creature, you know, that he is misunderstood. Uh, people, you know, they just see him and react to him in fear when he entered the world, I guess, with, a, you know, an open and loving heart. And, and he claims he learned to be, would we say evil? I don't know. He learned to be... A threat because of the way he was treated. Uh, There's an idea of Victor Frankenstein, you know, the young student of science, overstepping his bounds and playing God, and, and he becomes horrified at what he's done and he can't continue the creature wants him to create a you know a mate for him and promises well you know if if you create a female like me we'll go off and live in a distant place and and not bother anyone and victor begins that work but then he just can't do it he just can't continue doing that
0: mm-hmm. what was the reception like back in the 18 it was 1818 1818 18, yeah. 18. so what was the reception like
1: it was mixed uh you know there were all kinds of uh, people condemning the book uh someone calls it the the worst toadstool that's grown out of the our, our terrible depraved times something like that you know at the same time it was very popular and and people were reading it they were creating stage versions of of Mary Shelley well it was published anonymously they didn't know her name at the time but they were creating stage versions of it so it, it was controversial. Mm-hmm. And how difficult or easy
0: was it for you to find the material um, about both the book and the writing of the book as well as Mary um, Shelley's early life?
1: I'm not sure difficult is, is the word. I, you know, I like to rely on, on primary sources as, as much as I'm able to. So I put a lot of time and effort into my research, but there is a lot of material available about the Shelley's and I do a lot of work, actually, at the Library of Congress here in Washington. You know, it's, it's convenient to where I live. And so were you able to
0: just use the Library of Congress as your primary source, or did you have to travel to England? Well, I
1: did go to England, but you know, so much material now is available online, even from distant collections that you almost can call these virtual collections now. That's great. Yes, it is. Yeah. Letters and so many things. How easy or difficult
0: was it? for you to find a publisher for this biography?
1: I've been working with Clarion Books uh, for more than 20 years and working with my editor for that long, which I think is unusual. It is. So we will often talk about ideas for projects before I get started. So my editor, that doesn't mean, you know, it's a definite that they're going to publish it, but My editor expressed an interest, and then I went forward and developed a proposal and submitted it, and it it was accepted. Why were you interested in in Shelley? Shelley, well, I like writing about creative people. I've written about a number of writers from uh, the Bronte sisters to E.E. Cummings, Hemingway, Paul Lawrence Dunbar. And uh, I've written about Frida Kahlo and Diego Rivera, two painters, um, and some composers. So I like to write about people involved in creative work. I'm interested in the process. And Mary Shelley just appealed to me in that way. I was curious to know more about her, I guess.
0: Mm-hmm. The um, illustrations in this book are just gorgeous, and the layout and design of the book is is really phenomenal. How did that come about and how how were you able to get so many illustrations, drawings, and a few photographs into this book?
1: well it's the book is for a young adult audience, and you know our young people really are so visually literate these days, and it the book really has to be lavishly illustrated, I think. Uh, I do the photo research and and I acquire the images and which is something I I enjoy doing very much and it's just a matter of searching and and tracking them down and again so many things are available online that I can see what's there in archives and and available for my use. And almost every other page has
0: a photograph or a drawing. How are you able to um, pay for that?
1: Well I do have a budget you know uh, a number of of places now make their images available free of charge because i guess it's easier for them than going through the work of of charging people and, and whatever you know paperwork and so on uh, the, many in- images from the library of congress for example are are available at no charge the new york public library now things that they have in the public domain so that is growing And, you you know, you kind of learn if you can find something in it, maybe an academic archive, you'll get it at a better cost than, say, a stock agency. So the stock agencies would be your last resort.
0: And because we're talking about the early to mid-19th century, were most of these illustrations or drawings in the public domain?
1: Yes, really. Actually, there were some things we would have liked to include in here, but they were it was just too costly. Image, some film images, for example.
0: So now, um, since you are writing for a young adult audience, do you have a certain word limit that you have to meet in terms
1: of your uh, manuscript? Generally, when I'm working on a book like this one, when I get started, I'll say to myself that I'm going to have 10 chapters of 3,000 words each. And the book won't necessarily end up that way, but, you know, it helps me organize my material, imagine how the book is going to flow, but then the book makes its demands as, as I go along, and, and I can have maybe fewer or more chapters, longer or shorter, it's it's going to depend, but that's just a general guide. Okay, so that,
0: that's a, that brings up a good point, because for other writers uh, who may be at the beginning of the process and you know, they've written their book proposal, it's gotten success, uh, accepted. How close in, say, in your experience, since you've written so many books, um, is the, the proposal to the final product?
1: Well, biography, you know, you know how it's going to end. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, It might be closer than some other kinds of books, perhaps. But we, you know, you get ideas as you go along because the book the proposal is not going to be the complete book and your research really continues at least mine continues all the way through the writing process so things might evolve as it goes along but probably fairly close so for
0: for this book about mary shelley how many chapters did you anticipate and then how many did you actually end up with
1: we did start with the idea of ten and we actually have 11 chapters with a prologue and an epilogue. Pretty close. Yes. Yeah. And what made you
0: get into writing for this particular demographic?
1: I didn't actually plan to do it. I was working as a writer in the health field, uh, developing uh, materials for corporate wellness programs and It was fine. It wasn't really what I wanted to do as a writer, but I really hadn't found myself as a writer. Um, Then one day in in the late 80s, my husband and I went to the Vietnam Veterans Memorial with our son and his friend, who were about 10 years old at the time, and I just felt that the boys didn't have a good sense of what this was and, and what they were seeing, and I had the idea to write a book about the memorial. So I put together a proposal and submitted it to a small educational publisher in Minneapolis, which doesn't exist anymore, and heard back from the editor who liked it. But he said a competitor was coming out with a very similar book and didn't think the market could support two. But they were looking for someone to write a book about Washington, D.C. And would I like to submit my proposal for that book? And I did. And it was accepted. And I really enjoyed doing it. And I felt very comfortable writing for a young audience. And I've been doing it ever since.
0: Well, we're happy. <laughs> no, thanks. That is good. <laughs> um, you really dig deep into uh, Mary Shelley's life, um, her love life, her marriage, and the losses that she yes, had to yes. deal with.
1: I say in the, in the prologue to the book, you know, if If you were to read a novel and come across all this, you would say this book is, you know, ridiculous. No one, who's going to believe that? But, you know, these things happened. It it was real life, and nonfiction can accommodate it.
0: What kind of primary source materials exactly did you use?
1: Yeah, I would say letters, yes. And
0: who kept that?
1: Because obviously
0: somebody from her family must have been conscientious enough to
1: say we need these are important and these papers need to be preserved. Well, people did save letters and you know, uh her son, her surviving son uh Percy Florence Shelley and his wife almost made it their vocation to keep the memory of his parents alive and and preserve papers and so on. In fact, they almost essentially built a shrine to them, you know, in in their home and so, so we, we can thank them for a lot
0: i guess right right and then what would you recommend to
1: any writers who are thinking about writing for young adults really look at the market look what look at what's been written about someone uh, you can do that at the library of congress uh online catalog will will show you you know what's been published what is maybe going to be coming out soon if It helps if there's a curriculum tie-in, you know, if teens often read Frankenstein in their English classes, so there would be a reason there to read about Mary Shelley, plus, you know, just curiosity about the story. And, you know, is it a good story? Was this person socially engaged? You know, some writers spend their life sitting at a desk and working. That's, you know, not going to make a very interesting biography for young readers, but someone like Mary Shelley who's involved or Hemingway who traveled the world and was involved in so many adventures would be a good subject.
0: And then on the writing side, would you have any advice for um, say a writer who's about to embark on their first YA biography?
1: Read a lot, read other people's biographies. Look at what you like and maybe use some of the aspects of these books as a model for yourself. Uh, think about your things like your vocabulary and, and sentence likes. You, you don't want to write down to a young person, never. But I know this is true for me and a lot of people who are successful writing for children and teens is that you know, you, you remember very much how it felt to be a young person. You know The feelings don't change. What it's like to be 13, 14, 15. You know, that's the same now as it was, you know, when we were that age, and kind of access that and maybe write to that young person. And I know I do that. And what would be interesting to her? And here's Catherine Reef reading from
0: her book about Mary Shelley at Bio's annual conference in May
1: 2019. Thank you. If the world is a stage and I merely an actor on it, my part has been strange and alas, tragical. Mary Wollstonecraft Shelley. Mary Shelley had been dead for a year when her son unlocked her portable desk and found the remains of a human heart. The heart he knew had been his father's. It had rested in the desk for 30 years unseen and untouched since the day in 1822 when Mary Shelley tenderly wrapped it in pages of poetry and put it away. Dust and bits of dried up muscle were all that was left. The heart was a relic of past love. Like a powerful storm, this love had rolled through Mary Shelley's life, forever altering its course. For love of the poet Percy Bysshe Shelley, she turned her back on her family and gave up her place in the world. She sought bliss, and she found it, but she also found heartbreak that no one could have foreseen. Suicides, drownings, and children born and lost. If a writer were to pack all this misfortune into one novel, readers would close the cover and complain that the book was too far-fetched. But real life is more incredible than anything a novelist can invent, even one like Mary Wollstonecraft Shelley. In 1816, when she was 18 years old, Shelley wrote Frankenstein. Her tale of dead flesh brought to life still frightens and fascinates readers today, 200 years after it first appeared in print. Victor Frankenstein and the monster he built remain two of the best known characters in literature and film. Stories, even hideous ones like Frankenstein, are never created from nothingness, Mary Shelley believed. The storyteller draws on memory, on chance occurrences, on things read and overheard. From this chaos, she weaves a tale. Everything must have a beginning, Shelley wrote, and that beginning must be linked to something that went before. I did not make myself the heroine of my tale, she stated about her writing. I could not figure to myself that romantic woes or wonderful events would ever be my lot. Well, this book tells the true story of Mary Shelley from its beginning and with something of what went before. Was she the hero of her life's tale? That is for you, the reader, to decide. That
0: was young adult author Catherine Reef reading from her book, The Strange True Tale of Frankenstein's creator, Mary Shelley, published by Clarion Books in 2018. Reef's book reading and interview were recorded during BIO's May 2019 conference held in the Leon Levy Center for Biography in the City University of New York's Graduate Center in Midtown Manhattan. You can read more about BIO on our website, biographersinternational.org. I'm BIO member Sonia Williams in Washington, D.C. Enzo De Palma created our theme music, and until next time, thanks for listening and have a great day.